Fixate on Code, Episode 6. Oh yes, Larry Buerta here and you're listening to Fixate on Code, the weekly bite-sized podcast where I talk to the best devs about their favorite strategies for writing great code. And today I'll be chatting to Sarah Swedon. Sarah, thanks for joining me today. Thank you for having me, Larry. It's a pleasure. Sarah is a freelance front-end web developer, author, and speaker from Lebanon. She was named Developer of the Year in the 2015 .NET Magazine Awards and awarded a Web Platform Award from O'Reilly. Sarah is the author of CodeDrop CSS Reference and is the co-author of Real Life Responsive Web Design, which focuses on smart, responsive workflows, effective UX patterns, and powerful front-end techniques. Sarah, can you fill in some of the gaps in that intro and tell me a little bit about what you get up to when you're not writing code? Uh, okay, so when I'm not writing code, and assuming I'm not totally, completely burnt out, um, I usually, <laughs> I'm usually learning. Um, so basically before I burnt out, I used to spend all of my time, if I'm not coding, I'm usually reading about code or learning about stuff that I want to be, like new features, new CSS or SVG features. Um, I read about new features that are, uh, that interest me, and features that interest me are usually the features that are, that are, or that can help me solve some of the problems that I have when building stuff, like basically real life. Uh, solutions, uh, problems are solutions to real life problems. For example, today we have the new CSS grid spec, which is like, it's going to revolutionize the way we build websites um, in the future. So um, also when I'm not coding or reading about code, I'm either outside doing activities with my family or learning a new recipe to cook and try out. So I think that's me being um, a typical Lebanese here. I've never been really a big fan of cooking, but recently um, it's really good at, at, at takes your mind off of work completely. Plus, you get to eat something really delicious at the end of it. Um, yeah, so um, this is what I generally do. I'm usually a very boring person when I'm not talking about tech. So yeah, that's pretty much what I usually do. And sometimes you do just need to get a little bit away from it. Yes. Now, Sarah, you've put an incredible amount of effort into the documentation on CodeDrop CSS reference. What are you most passionate about as a developer and what were the steps that got you to where you are today? Um, what, what I love about being a web developer is the possibilities uh, of what we, like the possibilities, like we have to build, uh, let me rephrase that, the possibilities that we have to build useful things for people and for ourselves and for our children to come. I mean, the internet today has changed our lives and it's going to be changing the lives of our children in the future. And somehow I hope that I somehow have a positive effect, like uh, a positive legacy that I leave behind with the stuff that I'm doing with code today. Um, we have the tools for building the future basically on the web and it's only getting the web is getting more powerful by the day and that alone is super exciting um, so circling back to the first point what got me here is repeating the same step over and over which is continuing to learn and to teach and share what I know um, learning and teaching opens a, lo a lot of doors to speaking so what got me into speaking in the first place was the articles that I started writing and I started writing those articles when I was experimenting and learning new features so learning and teaching gets you really far if 
this is the sort of um, dev route that you want to be taking, for example, if you want to start speaking at some point in the future. Um, another thing is then there's continuously experimenting with new stuff you learn, which can eventually lead to getting work and making money out of, out of the stuff that you love doing. So you love CSS, you start experimenting, you start getting work from that experimenting, which is actually how I got my first gig. Um, I was experimenting on CodePen and um, my first client saw my work on CodePen and I got my first email for my first client dev work via CodePen. That was really exciting. Wow, that's so awesome. Yeah, so it is, of course, it's very different for every single person and a lot of factors come into play for each person that may help or make it more difficult. It's basically the route that you take. But the important thing is to find your own path and push through it regardless of what tries to stand in the way. Now, Sarah, you dedicate a ton of time to, to your different projects. Can you take me to the worst experience you've ever had on a project? Yes, uh, that was uh, the first job that I just mentioned. Um, it was, it was, uh, it was terrible. I mean, even just thinking about it is like ugh, I'm, sc I'm just scratching my forehead as we speak. Um, I did a lot of work for very little money, um, and money wasn't really the problem then. I would work from 8 a.m. So the second, I swear, I still remember it. Like, like one day, I woke up, I jumped out of bed straight onto my desk, and I started working. I didn't wash my face, I didn't wash my teeth, I didn't have any breakfast. <laughs> I just start working like at 8 a.m., for example, in the morning till 12 midnight every single day, including weekends, for two weeks. Okay, uh, we were building a new user interface for a Facebook-like app. So basically, it was sort of, um, they were kind of copying Facebook, but they're making their own version of Facebook. So it was really complicated. It was a web application. I was responsible for, for, for building the front end of that application. And uh, by the way, after I left, eventually um, the application never made it to production. Basically, they didn't, oh, yeah, they didn't go through with it. So I don't even get to show the work that I did back then, it was, which was, uh, oh my God. So after two weeks of working like crazy, I burnt out completely. That was the first time I've ever uh, burnt out. So yeah, now that I think about it, I've burnt out three times, not two. Um, I burnt out physically more than mentally, actually. My eyes turned red, completely red. So the white parts became red parts. My nose started, yeah, my nose started to bleed at some point. Uh, my back got stiff. And I remember one day, I swear, I felt like I was on the verge of getting a stroke. It was that serious that bad you did that to yourself in two weeks yes um so, yeah so it was my first time um you know but that said i'm thankful that my very first experience was like that because it shaped every single opportunity that i got after that and it taught me a valuable lesson about working with clients and what to do and what not to do uh what to expect and what not to expect what to let them expect and not let them expect so i've learned so much from my very first gig and i'm thankful for that um, yeah, always, always looking on the bright side. How do you think it got into that situation? Where, where were the shortcomings in the relationship? Uh, it was, uh, it was actually my fault because um, it was because of lack of experience, basically. So if I had known better, I wouldn't have accepted the terms that they had set for me. I wouldn't have accepted that low pay. I wouldn't have accepted to work on weekends. I wouldn't have accepted for them to expect me to be working all day every day so when you're new and I had no idea what I like I didn't know my rights I didn't know um, I just didn't know anything I just got like hey we would like you to build this UI for us and we will pay you an X amount of money and I said sure I can definitely do that I didn't really know like I what I didn't 
Um, for example, right now I can sort of estimate how much time it would take, how much effort it would take, how much it would cost, how much it should cost. I didn't know any of that. I had zero experience and the lack of experience is what got me there. Uh, yeah, so after that incident, I started reading up and asking people for advice. I have a lot of people in our community to thank for um, a lot of great advice that they gave me until I finally got to a point where I learned how to handle working with people better. And I think there's a bit of fumbling that we all have to go through when, when starting out like that. Now, Sarah, in terms of your daily work and getting quality work done, are you using any methods, tools, or services that you just hate to be without? Um, not really. I mean, I could answer that question on multiple levels. So if we're going to talk about tools, um, like as in dev tools, I don't have a lot of those tools. Basically, all of my work, I don't even use a lot of frameworks. I don't use a lot of tools. Um, I use HTML, CSS. I use SAS. So I do have some tools to help me compile my SAS. If the project is very simple, I don't even use Grunt or Gulp or any build tool like that. I could use sometimes, for example, just use CodeKit. If all I'm using is SAS and all I need is to be able to compile that SAS to CSS, then I just use CodeKit for that. Um, I write with the bare minimum HTML, CSS, JavaScript, no frameworks. Uh, most of the times. Um, so I don't have a lot of tools, but I do have some sort of productivity tools that I like. And if, if, I, if I could name just one that would help, that usually helps me speed up my workflow, that would be Alfred app. Uh, I, yeah, mm, I don't, it's great. Yeah, it is amazing. Like seriously, when I want to start working on my own website, for example, all I have to do is just, I have these uh, shortcuts. So I just have to click shift J and then I have everything. I have the terminal open with uh, Jekyll serving my, my website. I have uh, sublime text open. I have um, um, the finder open to my project folder. I have everything set up and all I have to do is just start typing HTML, CSS and JavaScript to work. Alfred is amazing. Uh, and then I've also recently started using Text Expander, uh, which is extremely mm -hmm. useful. I haven't been like, I'm not a super Text Expander user yet. I have to learn a lot yet, but it's very useful for answering emails basically because I get a lot of frequently asked questions all the time. I have to answer the same questions over and over again. So I've started having, I have these templates that I then I start with these templates and then I start customizing them for each um, email that I get. Um, it's very, very useful and very time saving. Uh, if you have to repeat any addresses and any information like that, you can all save those as snippets. I also love Sublime Text. Um, it's my super um, editor. I know a lot of people have, have switched to Atom or to Code, but I still love Sublime. I finally recently bought, uh, purchased a, a license after four years of using it. Oh, nice. Uh, yeah, it's, it's very nice. And I use a lot of the plugins that it comes with, like Emmet and others. So it's basically these small things that make you have to type less that I really can't live without because it's, you know, they really save, shave off a lot of time. Um, yeah, so uh, when it comes to the process, when we're not talking about tools, I would say, um, I don't know, I think it, comes more to time management which I'm not really that good at these days but I've learned to become a little bit more productive again when I'm not burnt out by working early in the morning so basically um, I avoid any kind of distraction I used to have this plague called Twitter <laughs> I always have a Twitter tab open when I'm working and it used to be the number one distraction in my work um, and then after a while, a few months ago, I got an iMac and I made that my main uh, working machine. So basically what I do is I don't have any kind of application installed on my iMac 
that is not essential for my work. So I don't have email. Uh, I usually use airmail for email. I don't have that installed. I don't have Twitter installed. I like it's forbidden for me to even open a Twitter tab there. Remove all kinds of distractions and just focus on work as much as possible and take as many breaks as possible. And another thing that helps you stay productive during the day is um, there's these things that I really love is getting those energy sparks throughout the day. So if you have, for example, a list of tasks, which is something I always do and it's one of the things that I'm most proud of. Uh, so if I have a list of tasks that I know that I have to finish uh, today, uh, so basically what I do is for every tasks that I scratch off the list, I have to get up and do like, for example, um, 10 burpees or 10 push-ups. Oh, nice. Yeah, so it's not, it's not punishment. It's actually a way... Um, uh, what's the opposite of punishment in English? A reward. Yeah, actually, yes. It's a reward. So basically for every task, you get to give your, yourself that energy spark. It's really nice. Like you don't get to get, you don't easily get to that point where like, oh, I'm so tired. Like I don't have any energy left to keep working today. You, you, it's impossible to get to that point if you keep giving yourself that energy sparks. Yeah, so these are yeah, my sort of uh, tricks to do to this stuff. And I think it's so easy to get bogged down in the work and to forget about rewarding ourselves even for those small wins. Now, back to Alfred and Text Expander. Have you heard of Dash? Uh, no. What's that? So Dash is a desktop app that aggregates information from a ton of different languages and libraries and then it allows you to search everything in, in their interface. And then instead of visiting the SVG spec or finding a CSS property reference somewhere, you can just search all of that in Dash. Whoa. And then coupled with Alfred, it's a matter of typing that CSS property name or JavaScript API method. And then you've got the best information right there at your fingertips. But now on top of that, Dash has a snippet manager that works just like Text Expander. So it's one of my favorite tools. I will totally be giving that a try. I, do, I just found it on Google. It's, it's, uh, it looks really, really good. Yeah, it'll blow your mind. I mean, I'm, I'm such a fanboy. Thanks for the tip. Now, Sarah, in terms of your daily work, where, where are you still frustrated? Where do you feel there's room for things to be done in a more effective way? Uh, I think that is in, in the way we set up projects. Like, I'm usually, like, I know I don't have the best and most productive and most effective way of setting up projects. Um, I mean, the tools that I currently use are not the best. Um, I'm currently, for example, using Jekyll for my website. And Jekyll, the more, I, the more blog posts, uh, like basically the bigger my website became, the slower Jekyll became. It's excruciating. Mm -hmm. So I know that I have to switch. I know that I, it's, it would be much, much, much better for me to be using Grunt or Gulp more. Um, I know that I should be using more, more of these for example, um, uh, Grunt and Gulp, Browserified, uh, um, Webpack and stuff like that. So I know that I should be using those. I know that, it, that they will make my workflow even much better than it, is, than it is today. But it's like, there's so much, like, there's, it's, it's very overwhelming, you know, in, installing all of these things and then making them work. It, it takes time. And I have been like, Technically, I do have time. I do have the free time to do this, but it feels so much that I always feel like even the time that I have, it's not really enough because there's so much that I have to do. There's so much that I have to set up. Um, at some point, I will do that. So basically, the tools that everyone else is using today, uh, I know that if I start using those, it will, uh, it will serve me better, but I have to get myself to do it at some point. And it's so easy to get trapped trying to figure out which tool to use and then yes, how to configure it yes. and then finding out it doesn't work. And 
Oh, it's definitely a rabbit hole. Now, Sarah, in terms of new projects, libraries, or frameworks, and I know you read a lot of specs too. Yes. What are you most excited about at the moment? Uh, CSS Grid, because it's like a CSS framework without a framework. So it's a native CSS framework. We don't, you, we don't, we're not going to be needing any kind of CSS framework to build grids and websites and layout anymore in the future. I've never been a fan of um, uh, frameworks like Bootstrap or anything like that. I've never, I've only used Bootstrap once and it felt like too much. I had to edit and change and fix and clean up so much code that I was like, I would have been much faster if I just started building this thing from scratch. So I just stopped. That was the first and only time that I ever used Bootstrap. And I've never used any framework ever since. I usually build my own frameworks. And now with CSS Grid coming and combining that with Flexbox, it's like magic. It's amazing. I'm really excited about that. And how does the browser support look for the Grid spec at the moment? Uh, well, we, we currently have Firefox support. I think we just got Chrome support today, I think. Oh, um, nice. And then um, I know that Safari is coming soon as well, so that leaves us only with Edge. Does the Edge team have any news on the development on their side? I, I'm not sure. I usually follow up more, but since I've been burnt out in the last couple of months, I haven't been following up uh, with much of these news. But I know that we have uh, Chrome and Firefox now, and we will have Safari soon. I should be checking Edge sometime in the future too. There's always can I use for that, you know. Yeah, and I, I assume the pressure is going to be mounting pretty soon for Edge too. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> now, with all the new languages and libraries and specs that are coming out, how do you decide on what you want to learn and how do you make time to learn the new things? Uh, I make time when I need time. So basically, if I'm working on a new project and I need uh, a solution for something and the tools that I, the, the things that I already know aren't enough to help me solve that problem, I know that, for example, CSS Grid is going to help me solve that problem, whatever thing that I have, that I have at hand at the, at the time. That's when I learn it. I learn new things when I need those new things. Um, I like to get an overview of things. For example, I have an overview of CSS Grid. I know the main properties. I know how they work. But I haven't really gotten into like digging into them yet because I haven't started using them in a real-life project yet. Uh, but I'm pretty sure that I will be doing that in the next couple of months or so. Uh, I'll probably start experimenting with them by using, it, uh, using CSS Grid as an enhancement on my own website. And that's when I start digging more. So basically, when I need something, that's when I learn something. Um, and when you need something, when you're working on a client project, or, or for example, and you need to find a solution, usually what you do is you start Googling for something and then you find a solution on Stack Overflow or in Google or you find it in an article and you find yourself reading that article because you need that solution. This is the best, uh, my favorite way of learning, basically. So I need the solution, so I look for it and I learn about it and then I start using it. Is there any specific aspect about programming that you can point out that has dramatically changed the way that you think about and write code? Um, learning that Java is to JavaScript, but car is to carpet. <laughs> <laughs> so seriously, I have a background in Java. I love Java in, in university. I took a course, I loved it. It was love at first sight. It was, I, and I was pretty good at it. I built a banking ATM system as my first mini or tiny project in university. It was, I found it very intuitive to work with. Um, at first glance, and before I started learning how JavaScript really works, I thought that JavaScript was uh, the Java of the browsers, basically, of the web. Um, I was very naive to think that, but I don't really feel bad about it because I didn't know better. Um, learning the fundamental differences between JS uh, and Java is what gave me that shift inside of my head. Like, it, 
like a serious shift in the way I, I look at web technologies completely. It took some time for me to make the switch completely inside of my head. Like to, I had to keep reminding myself that, okay, no, this is not the same as Java. I used to think in a specific way in Java. I can't think the same way in JavaScript. Um, but the more I used and read JavaScript, the easier it got with time. So basically understanding how JavaScript differs from Java is like one of the main things that have affected the way I code and program on the web. <laughs> And with that, we've come to the end of our first segment. Sarah, I'm about to throw some quickfire questions your way. Let's do this. Let's do this. What is the best advice about programming you've ever received? Um, it is also the best advice that I can give anyone who ever asks for it. Um, it is learn the basics. HTML, CSS, JavaScript, native JavaScript, like no frameworks, no jQuery, no nothing. Learn the basics. Don't rush into learning frameworks and only learn what you need when you need it. I can't emphasize this enough. And keep it simple. Which yes. personal habits do you attribute to writing better code? Um, I think it's thinking from a user's perspective, not only a developer's perspective um, when I'm coding. So I always, always, whenever I'm building a new component, I always think about, okay, how is this code, how is this HTML going to be interpreted by a screen reader? How is the screen reader going to read it out loud? Would it make sense? That affects the way I write my, my HTML. And then using CSS, how is that going to change... For example, if a, if a user is using the keyboard, how are they going to be able to interact with it? Would it be clear enough or not? So basically, users using, looking, seeing things from a user's perspective and testing components early on. And I don't mean code testing like linting. I mean user testing. So Sarah, if you could recommend one book on programming to join real-life responsive web design, what would it be and why? Um, I don't have just one book to recommend, but I would definitely totally recommend like some of my favorites, the ones that really stuck with me after I read them were, for example, um, Definitely Responsive Web Design by Ethan Mercotte, uh, and then mm -hmm. Going Responsive by Karen McGrain, and then Responsible Responsive Design by... So there's a lot of the books from the Book Apart library. And then, yeah, then there is uh, Responsive Web Design Patterns and Principles, which is also by Ethan Mercotte. That's one of my absolute favorite books. And then there's also Adaptive Web Design by um, Aaron Gustafsson. So basically what progressive enhancement really is about. Um, it's one of the most useful books and it's one of those books that's not going to go, um, it's not going to be deprecated anytime soon because it's not about code snippets that are going to be um, unusable in like a year or two. It's all about principles and the way you, you should be thinking when building uh, websites and applications. Uh, and recently there's also Inclusive Design Patterns by um, Hayden Pickering. Uh, it's also about building accessible components, which is extremely important as well. So these are some of my favorite books. Who in the front-end world do you look up to? Who's doing work that's really inspiring at the moment? Um, again, I don't have a specific list in mind, but, um, well, it's very hard to name because I look up to people's actions usually more than I look to people mm. as a whole because um, I used to look up to people as a whole and I got disappointed a few times, so I learned not to do that anymore. Um, so people that first come to mind are Ethan Marcotte and Jeremy Keith. I love them. I mean, seriously, um, everything they write is so useful and all of their talks, um, I mean, Ethan and Jeremy, they're both even good people. I mean, these are people that I, I don't just look at the, the work they do, but as people, there's 
two of the nicest people that I know. Um, and then there's anyone and everyone really who works for the user and who has been relentlessly teaching people in our industry to care about people in, inside and outside of it um, and teaching them to build better experiences, which is what Ethan and Jeremy usually do. Um, anyone also who contributes to that, whether on a small or larger scale, is a hero, basically. Anyone, like... Um, maybe people that I know now, maybe people that I will get to know in the future. And then there are people, of course, I always always have to remember those people working behind the scenes, um, bringing us all the features that we need in the browsers that we use, um, developers implementing all of those features. It's not easy. I know it's a long road. Um, then we have developer advocates who are bridging the gap between us and between the developers working on implementations. It's these people that I look up to, people that are making a difference and making the web better in general. Yeah, and it's so easy to take for granted the awesome work that so many people are doing yeah, out there. Exactly. Sarah, let's reverse this a little bit. Imagine you wake up and you have no recollection of ever writing code. With the tools, books, and courses available today, how would you go about learning to program from scratch? Uh, this is an excellent question. I get that a lot. Like I get a lot of questions from people like, I want to learn web development. Where do I start? What books do you, do you recommend? And I always stare and with a blank mind like what do I answer now <laughs> uh, so I definitely would be overwhelmed at first it is extremely overwhelming um, I'm thankful that I had a mentor that helped me start from the right place when I did so but as I started with CSS before I think I would do go the exact same route because I kind of started from scratch um, I did study computer sciences in college but I still considered myself uh, self-taught because I didn't really uh, study CSS um, in university I didn't take any JavaScript courses we did have them but I never attended them um, so um, I'd start with the basics uh, usually as a person, I can't use a tool, I can't use a language, I can't use anything unless I really understand it. So if I know that I'm going to be building websites using CSS and HTML and JavaScript, I'll have to start with the basics. So it's the same advice that I gave before, start with the basics. And if I find myself, for example, needing to learn a little bit more, um, well, I started by Googling, reading articles, experimenting, following the right people on, uh, on Twitter. That has immensely helped me keep up with things and learn more from them. Uh, yeah, learn by reading and experimenting and then by teaching. Teaching is extremely important if you want to get better at what you're doing. So that's basically the same route. I would take it again. Sarah, let's wrap up with your top tip on how to work smart, the best way that we can connect with you, and then we'll say goodbye. Uh, the best way to work smart is to work healthy. Um, take care of yourself. Take care of your health. Take uh, enough breaks. Don't overwork. Don't kill yourself. Don't burn out. Uh, in order to avoid burnout, you have to take care of yourself. Eat well. Take breaks. Exercise. Um, a healthy mind is in a healthy body. So take care of your body and your mind will be um, capable of doing better work. And get some good sleep in. Yes, absolutely. I mean, that's part of the healthy part. So we need sleep. Definitely get enough sleep. <laughs> and the best way to connect with you? Um, Twitter. Uh, I will be releasing a newsletter sometime soon. I'm currently redesigning my website. So um, I'm a little bit slow with that because of the burnout. But um, I will be eventually releasing it, hopefully sometime next month. And with the new redesign, there will be a newsletter forum. So there will be exclusive content, um, thoughts, ideas, uh, useful resources and stuff like that. So there's going to be the newsletter and there's Twitter. I'm also usually very active on Twitter.
To everyone out there, you've been hanging with Sarah Swedan and Larry Buerta. Head over to fixate.it where you'll find links and timestamps for everything we've been talking about today. And of course, head over to CodeDrop's CSS reference and dive deep into the details of CSS with explanations, examples, and live demos. And Sarah, thank you for sharing your journey with Fixate on Code today. Keep pushing the limits and keep pushing great code.